Thank you, Pastor Paul. Good morning, Bridge. How are you doing this morning? Good. Good. It's an awesome October 1st. I love fall. It's my favorite season. It's not because everything's dying, but it's because everything's beautiful, right? And uh, it's my, my favorite, time, favorite time of the year. And this morning, how many of you guys turn on your heat this morning? Anybody turn on the heat? Okay, how many turn on your heat in your car on your way in the church? Okay, the first service, I feel like there was probably more people. I walked into the office this morning, and it was a brisk 60 degrees in the office, and so I turned up the heat a little bit and kicked it on, and it it was good. I love these brisk mornings. It's it's beautiful and cool at night. I I love that. And so welcome to welcome to fall. Here we are. So and uh, so this this morning, before we dive into anything, I just want to say thank you to those who helped us move last weekend. Uh, it was awesome, the church being the church. In four hours, we watched everything that we own and, and go from one house into a truck and then from a truck into another house. And in four hours, we were able to move everything and unpack. Those of you who have called to check to see if we needed anything this week, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the body being the body. Thank you from Christy and I. We, we, just, can't, we just can't say thank you enough. And so this morning we're going to dive into our, continue in our series, Real Christianity, and what we've been doing uh, throughout the, the series is we've been looking to a verse in, in 2 Timothy 3.16 uh, to kind of get a basis for what the Word of God and, is useful for and what Scripture is used for. So this morning, um, you don't have to turn, to turn to it in your Bibles, but it's on the screen here, and um, we're going to do like we did in, do in Kids Church, and let's read it together, okay? So... We're going we're gonna to start there in verse 16. So here we go. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is from God, and it's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, which is kind of a word that kind of has a, maybe a negative thought process in our head, but it's useful for, for pointing out, to, to, to point out the, the things in our lives. And it's useful for correcting, which is, which is showing. And it's like, this is the wrong way, but here's the right way. And then training. And it's the Word of God that walks with us to train us to become like Christ, that, that, is, that is in our lives, and, and it trains us. It's a, he's, he's a trainer. And that we may be equipped to do what God has called us to do. In our series, Real Christianity, God shows us what a real Christian looks like. What a, what a real Christian looks like. And he teaches us through his word. And he calls things out in us through his word. And he, he corrects us through his, through his word. He shows us the right way through his word. And then he trains us to become his disciples through his word. So this morning, uh, we're going to turn in, turn in his word to 1 John. We're going to be in uh, chapter 2 and verse 18. So if you want to turn there this morning, that's where we're going to be. And as we turn in, our, turn in our word this morning, turn in our Bibles this morning, um, let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, maybe to rebuke us a little bit, maybe to correct us, and, and to train us this morning. Amen. And so through this series, we've been digging into 1 John, and what I want to do this morning is we're going to read this passage as a whole, and uh, then we're going to come back and, and look at some thoughts to it. And this morning, if, if there were, my title would be, Be Real. Be Real. Look to your neighbor and say, Be Real. Be Real. Be Real. We're not talking about uh, a counterfeit. We're talking authentic. We're not talking not genuine, but we're, we're talking genuine. And I believe that John addresses some of these things, what a real Christian is. So be real. And so let's read together and be in First John. It's going to be on the screen. And it says, uh, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. 
Even now, many, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son. No one, denies the, no one who denies the Son has a Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has a Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would help me to speak, help us to hear, and guide us to what to do in the action afterwards. And it's your name I pray. Amen. So John here is writing, and he's giving some instructions and some warnings. And uh, we, we, see them, we see them here. He's writing to, to the church. And, uh, and at first glance, when I read this passage, I, I went to Pastor Paul, and I was like, hey, did you read the next section? Like, the whole beginning part is like, it, it talks about like, the final hour and the Antichrist. I'm like, this sounds like some weird Christian movie that's going to display the end of the world or something like that. And then, but I love the second part that talks about the anointing that teaches you and guides you and, and, and as we remain and, and, and all of that. And, and I, I struggle with it, so I begin to, begin to dive into it. And, and what I want to point out here is that the Antichrist that he's talking about here is, is not a a person per se. He's talking about he's talking about it's a principle. Those who are who are who are antichrist, literally antichrist. You know, if we read a few verses down in verse twenty two, he, he gives an explanation. He says, anyone who denies that Jesus is the is the Christ is antichrist. So it's a literal translation. It's like antibacterial versus versus like antiperspirant, right? It's it's it's, it's, it's against bacteria and it's a, against perspiration. And some of you looked at your neighbor when I said perspiration, so that's not good. So, see, John is addressing something here that had happened in the church, and he, he's writing to them. And, and, and there were these people who were part of the church, and, 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 and they, they left the church. And, and I believe that it's something that maybe has happened in, in in, every, in the church in general, the church worldwide, not just British Community Church, but the church worldwide, there are these people who were part of the church. They, they said they loved Jesus. They were people who, who maybe sacrificed their time and, and who served. They were, they were people who maybe attended church on, uh, when the doors were open, maybe every time the doors were open, on Sundays or Wednesdays or, or whenever. Uh, there were these people who were involved. Maybe they were serving on different ministry teams through, throughout the church. They were, they were Christians, but they left the church, and they left the faith, and they turned out to be the ones who denied Jesus was the Christ. They were literally, if you were to say it, antichrist. And uh, so this morning, I want to give some thoughts on what we see here. So we look in, in, in verse 19, it says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. 
For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. These people were doing good things, but they departed from the body of Christ. John says they went out from us, but they, didn't not, they did not really belong to us. And I believe that the American Christianity, if you would, is, is full of people who really maybe don't belong to us. We could say maybe they're not, they're not, they're not real. And, and you might say, Pastor Rob, how can you judge? And isn't, isn't, that, isn't that God's place? Yeah, it is God's position, but I believe the Bible is clear that, that he, he, he says that in Matthew that you will know a tree by its fruit. And, and, and these people... These people may have, have said some words to a prayer, or they may have stood up or, to receive Christ, or maybe raised their hand for an altar call, but maybe they really didn't have a heart change. See, the Bible is very clear that whenever we give our lives to Christ, we ought to look different. Like, things happen. There's changes that take place, and we'll talk about that more in, in a minute. But there's not a magic formula to, having receiving, to receiving a relationship with Jesus Christ, to starting a relationship with Him. It isn't about a prayer that you pray. It's about a heart that has changed. It's about your heart that has changed. And I'm challenged with the idea, and I shared this a few weeks ago in our discipleship coaches training, that, that there are many people in the church who, who, who may die and go to hell, not because they did, stuff, did bad things, but because they never really had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They never started a relationship with Jesus Christ People mark themselves a real Christian because a real Christian because maybe they 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 attend church or maybe they they said a prayer or they go to Sunday school or they do good things or there are they mark themselves as a real Christian but it's more than that Jesus said Jesus told his disciples that they will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another there's there's a heart change that happens and because that change that takes place inside of us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we give our life to Him. Our actions, our deeds, and our priorities, and the way that we live our lives begin to change. See, statistics say that between 70 and 83% of Americans identify as a Christian. 70 to 83%, like that's big. Depending on what poll you read, 70 to 83%. So let's take 70%. 70% of Americans identify as Christians. But do 70% of Americans look like Christ? Imagine what our country would look like. We're called to become like Christ. Many times we may say a prayer just to, to check a box and then we walk away. Do you look different now than before you receive Christ? Well, Pastor Rob, that was 40 years ago. I, I do look different. I've put on 40 years. I lost some hair on top of my head for some of you and um, maybe grayed a little bit in the beard for some. Sure, I looked at it. No, what I mean is, is, does your life align with the truth of his word? Do we look more like Christ today than what we looked like the day that we gave our life to him? We need to be growing to become like him in every way. We don't reach a part in life where we say, I've arrived, and, 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 and we, we stop, and we don't move, and we don't continue to grow. We need to continue to grow and, 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 and to live the way that he calls us. Do we love the way that he calls us to love? Are we forgiving the way that he calls us to forgive? Do we treat our husband and wife, husband or wife, the way that he commands us to treat our, our husband or wife? We're talking about true repentance. These are just a few questions we should be asking ourselves. Are we making disciples the way that he calls us to make disciples? None of us are perfect, but are we producing good fruit? Do we demonstrate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control in our lives? 
Many people may not deny Christ with our mouths, but may we deny Christ in our actions and in our priorities and in the other areas of our lives. So maybe this morning you say, how then do we produce good fruit and begin to look like Christ? I've given my life to Christ. How then do we produce that good fruit? And I believe that John addresses that in this verse through the thought of remaining, the word remaining. And I look at remaining, and, I, and, and remaining is, is an ongoing word. It's like continual. So it doesn't have like an end point. So if I'm remaining here in this position, I'm remaining here until I remain somewhere else, right? So I'm going to stay. I'm staying in that spot. It's continual if I'm going to remain, right? And that's what he says here. And it's a continual. And if we look here in John, and he says, for, they, for, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. They would have remained with us. Who is he addressing here? He's addressing the body of believers. He, he says in the, in the very beginning in, in verse, 19, verse 18, he says, dear children, dear children. He's talking about uh, it's the sons and daughters of Christ, people who have given their life to Christ, people who are part of a, of a church. And, and so my first thought is here is, where do we need to remain? Well, I think we need to remain with the church. They were part of a fellowship of believers. He says, stay where you're at. We know, we, we know they weren't real Christians because they departed from us. They walked away from, 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 from the Christian community. They walked away from the gathering of believers. They walked away from the, from the church family. And I believe that relational growth is key to spiritual growth. Relational growth is, corresponds directly with our spiritual growth. So our relationships this way correspond directly to our relationships this way. If we have good relationships with those who we are in a body of believers, right, and people who are, who are speaking into us and we give them permission to, to walk alongside us and, and our relationships this way are growing, then our relationship this way is even better. It's like, a, it's like a miracle grow, if you would. You know, I can sit here and I can read this all day long, read his word all day long, and yes, it'll penetrate my heart, and, and yes, it'll, it'll help me, and I'll grow in my, my relationship with him. But when we have other people who are pouring into us and who are walking life with us and we're doing life together, the community is what helps us to grow. I believe it is it is, it is crucial. And that's why, you know, here at Bridge, we push community groups. And you see, you know, tons of community group signups out there. And, and, and we encourage you to connect and be involved in the, in the church. Not just because we want you to. Yes, that's absolutely yes. We want you to be involved. But it's more than that because it is part of how we grow in our becoming like Christ. It's how we grow in our relationship with Christ. So many times I've seen people walk away from the church or walk away from the fellowship of believers for one reason or another. Maybe it's not, maybe it wasn't a big deal, maybe it was a big deal, but they walk away and shortly after that, what happens? We start to see their life, a life that doesn't reflect Christ any longer. We start to see a life that, that no longer reflects the truth of his word, no longer is bearing the fruit that we talked about a few minutes ago. The Bible talks about as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It also talks about spurring one another on. And how are we to do that if we're not part of a fellowship of believers, of the church? We have to remain in the, in the church, but we have to not be afraid to speak truth in the other's lives. We need to remain. We all know someone who has walked away from the church. Maybe not walked away from Christ, but they've walked away from the church. And I want to put my youth pastor hat on here for a minute, if you would. I did youth ministry for many years, and there are, there are so many kids who I, I saw who, you know, at some point they, they threw, 
through youth ministry, they, they thrived in their relationship with Christ, and they were growing, and, and they, were, they knew God's word, and they continued, they continued to, to chase after the things of God. Their desire for God was great. And, and they graduate from high school, and you encourage them, you need to plug into a, a church, wherever you're at. You need, to, you need to be part of a body of believers. And they come home for summer break, and they're like, I'm stuck. I'm stalled. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not growing like I used to. And I believe that that's part of that is because they didn't plug into a body of believers, a body of believers that, that could, could, could challenge them, that they could, they could be part of that family. I can tell, tell you names of many people who have walked away from the body of Christ and what happens, they no longer continue to grow. So we need to remain in the church, remain with us. And then the second thing is he says, remain in the truth. And if we look in, in verse 21, it says, I do not write, you, write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. As for you, see the, and then in verse 24, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. So my question this morning to you is, if you're a believer, you're a Christian here, what were you taught in the beginning? What were you taught in the beginning that made you give your life to Christ? Or the gospel, right? The gospel. The idea that, that Jesus, that Jesus, the truth that God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins, for all of our wrongdoings, that he was buried and, and he rose again and he paid a debt that he didn't have to, but he did because of his great love for us. Because of his sacrifice, we have access to eternal life and a relationship with him. The gospel message. But that's not just for us in the beginning. It's for us throughout our lives. You know, our attitudes change when we remain in the truth. Our attitudes change when we remain in the truth. When we are tempted with sin, we remember the cross. When we're faced with death, we remember the resurrection. When we are challenged to, to love someone, because, you know, we all have people in our life sometimes that are challenged to love, right? We, we remember Christ's, Christ's love for us, you know, and, and the sacrifice that, that he made. You know, when we remain in the, the, tru- the truth and the truth of God's word, we begin to see our situations and our life and our daily circumstances through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of what, of what Christ did for us. You know, our attitudes begin to change. We easily forget sometimes the things that we were taught in the beginning. We forget about the gospel message because we look at, like, I'm living my life and I'm doing these lists of, of do's and don'ts, but we don't, we don't look at it as a relationship of what Christ did for us, and we don't look at our life through that. Remain in the truth. So remain in the church. Remain in the truth. Third, remain in Christ. You know, maybe this is a given for some of us. You think about it, you know, we'll remain in Christ. But what is the idea of remaining in Christ? It says in, in verse 24, he says, As for you, see, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you, will, will, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. In verse 25, And this is what he promised us, eternal life. And then in his last phrase in verse 27, was, he just says, Remain in him. Remain in him. Remaining in Christ is the idea of choosing Christ. Choosing opportunities. Choosing him in every decision of our life. In every area of our life. You know, I think about, you know, my time, for example. I think, I think about my time. And in my time, do I choose Christ? Do I, do I choose Christ? Or do I sleep for an extra 30 minutes and maybe not spend time with him today? Right? Honest? 
Maybe I, or maybe I get to choose Christ when I'm driving down 40-foot road and the right lane ends and people are flying up and there's traffic and I'm like, you cutting in front of me does not help any of us get anywhere any, any quicker because the traffic is still there. But they're flying up the lane that's ending to try to, get, try to get in front of you. I get to choose Christ in that moment or I get to not choose Christ in that moment, right? How many of you have not chose Christ? Don't raise your hands. I don't want to know. But I get to, I get to, I get to choose Christ. It's an opportunity for me to make a conscious decision in that moment. Am I going to choose Christ and just keep going and demonstrate maybe a little bit of fruit there, some self-control and patience, or, or do I not? And what does that look like? We get to choose Christ every day. It's not just about the, the church. It's not just about um, uh, you know, a book. It's not just about, a, it's not just about you know, what a list of do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I better choose Christy, right, my wife? I better choose her. If she said, hey, I made dinner for you, I better say, yeah, let's sit down and let's have dinner. I better not say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to choose your meal tonight. I'm going to go across the street and get Lisa's pizza, right? Probably shouldn't do that, right? Or maybe maybe you don't know. We live like, just moved to like two doors down from Lisa's pizza. So everybody's like, you're going to eat there all the time. It's true. I've eaten there four times in the past week. So that's what happens when you move and you can't find your silverware. So... Um, but I better choose her meal. Our relationship's not going to be very good, right? Like, maybe some of you are like, okay, I wouldn't really have a big deal with that. Most people would have a big deal with that, right? She sacrificed her time and, and put effort into it, and I better choose that. We get to choose Christ. It begins when our eyes are open and when we come to know Christ, and we make a heart change to start learning, to want to learn about him. And, and that, that, that passion is placed inside of us. And, and things begin to change. And our, our trust in him begins to grow. And our love for him begins to, begins to, to overflow. And, and, and we just need to remain. We get to remain in him. If we trust Christ and, and we remain in him, we get the promise of eternal life, Right? In John's early book, he writes about remaining. In John 15, 4, he says, Remain in me, and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then skipping down to verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We must remain in him, continuously growing, continuously producing fruit. It's not... It's not the fruit, like the things that you do. It's not about the works, the service that you do. It's about the spiritual fruit that you produce. What fruit are you, rep- are you representing in your life? You know, the, the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My question to you this morning is, are you remaining? Are you remaining? Are you remaining? So you say, Pastor Rob, you describe these two people, the the people who are the believers, and you've talked about the people who are the antichrist, and how do I know where I fall? How do I know if, if I am his? Well, I believe that we have, there's three ways, three, three areas we, we get to look at to, to see where we're at. How do we know if we're real, if you want to put it that way? And how do I know that I am his? Well, I, I believe that it starts with our heart. You've got to look at what God is doing in your heart. It's like I said, our desires change, our hearts change whenever we, when we give our lives to him. We know we're, we're, we're real because our desires and passions and what we long for is different. See, the Antichrist people in, in this passage, they had their own agenda they were going about. It says in verse 26 that, that, that they were trying to, to lead people astray. And, and it also says that, that they, were, they were liars. 
And if we look in Romans 8, in Romans 8, 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. And then verse 9, it says, in Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to Christ. Our desires change. Our, our, our passions change in our, in our heart. You know, our plans change. Our agenda change because we've given our life to Christ. And, and, and what happens is, is now our agenda begins to look like his agenda. Our plans begin to look like his plans for our life. Our, our, our desires begin to look more like what Christ's desires would be in, in this, in, 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 as we become a disciple of, of his. See, we should be desiring more of the things of God than the things of me. We know we are his because our heart is changed. So we, so we know we are his because our heart is changed. But we also know we are his because of the transformation that is taking place. See, initially I talked about the things on the inside, our desires, our passions, our agenda about me. But, but what about the people who are around us? And if we look in, in Ephesians 4.22, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we, we talked about the, the internal maybe tra- transformation, the internal desires being changed, but it goes beyond that. People begin to notice when a transformation takes place in your heart because it leaks to the outside. It leaks to the outside. You know, our attitude is different. We no longer like to do the things we used to do. We no longer like to go the places we, we used to go you know, they might even say, man, they're talking different. Their language is, is different. The language that they use it is different. What happened on the inside begins to, to leak to the outside. You know, for many of you here this morning, I've had the offer of awesome privilege of being able to see that happen in your life. I've been able to see that just over a short amount of time, you know, in the year and a half I've been here. I've been able to see that transformation take place. And this morning I want to tell you a story about, about Lucas. And Lucas was a football player um, in our youth ministry at, and whenever we were in Pittsburgh. And Lucas came in, grew up in the church, and, you know, did everything that he was supposed to do, you know, if you would, for church. He went to, went to church on Sundays and attended youth group on Wednesday nights and went on retreats and all that stuff. But, but Lucas, for a long time, just checked the box. And Lu- Lucas would tell you this, and, 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 and he just checked the box. And never really pursued a relationship with Christ. And, and so I remember one, one Wednesday night that Lucas, Lucas gave his life to Christ. And I mean, and a transformation happened in his heart. You could tell um, in that moment, you could, just, you could tell by just talking to him that something had happened. He wholeheartedly surrendered to Christ. But it happened on a, on a Wednesday night. But what happened was it happened on the inside. And so he began to grow, and, and Lucas began, began to, to lead others and talk to his friends, and his friends be, began to wonder about what was going on in, in his life, and so his friends started coming to church with him, coming to youth group, and, and things like that. And Lucas was, was, like I said, was a football player, and he wrestled. And you know how many of us, like, if you're a parent or maybe you're an athlete in the room, you know that, like, there's all all these com- conflicting agendas, right? Like, or, or time schedules. Like, you know, miss football practice. I can't play on Friday night, but I want to go to youth group on Wednesday. So if I want to do that, then how's that going to work? And same with wrestling. If I want to wrestle in the match on, on Saturday, then I need to be at practice throughout the week. But, um, 
Lucas began to grow, and Lucas was this guy, he was a linebacker, and he would, he would target kids on the football field just because he didn't like them. I'm just going to be real with you, like that's the type of player he was, a little bit dirty. And uh, he, he, he turned from the guy who was targeting players to be dirty, turned to the guy who every time a kid was on the ground was running across the field to help him up, right? He turned from the kid who was intentionally hurting the quarterback on the other team, which his coach probably encouraged that, but was intentionally hurting the quarterback on the other team to the kid that whenever, our, whenever his quarterback got hurt on the field, he's running from the sidelines during the first game to pray for the kid on the field. A heart transformation happened in Lucas. Lucas's locker room talk went from whatever high school football players talk about in the locker room to talking about Christ and praying for his team before every game and, and his, his transformation began to happen. And, and what can I tell you that Lucas was in youth group on Wednesday nights because his coaches saw the transformation and they said, whatever, I, you're not learning whatever's going on in your life here on this football field. You're learning it somewhere else. So do what you need to do in order to make the transformation happen and in order to see that happen. And, you know, I had the awesome privilege, you know, for a year to be part of like the coaching staff of that team, which was so weird. But I got to see Lucas minister to his friends because of the transformation. His heart changed. His desires changed. The transformation took place and it leaked to the outside. My question for you is what transformation has happened in your life since you gave your life to Jesus? What transformation is taking place that other people see? We know we are his because of our heart change. We know we are his because of the transformation that takes place, not just on the inside, but but on the outside. And lastly, I believe that we know we are his because of the voice that speaks to us, the Holy Spirit, the anointing that he says in this, that he says in this verse. And in verse 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. But as this anointing teaches you about all things, and this anointing is real, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is placed inside of you when you receive Christ. And in Ephesians, it says that you were, when you believed, you were sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is placed inside of you. And he's, he's given to us to teach us, just like the verse says. He says, but, his anoint, but as his anointing teaches you, he, he, he walks with us. He teaches us the way that we should live our lives. When we hear God's word and we need to apply it to our lives, he walks with us and teaches us. And this is how we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. And we come to church and then we hear a message and we, we go home and we read God's word. The Holy Spirit helps us see, teaches us how to apply that to our lives and what areas we need to apply that to. There's always an action after we hear the word of God. It's not just listening. It's not just opening a Bible and reading, but it's, it's walking it out. It's action. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes into play, or the anointing, as John would call it in this message. You know, we hear a message like last week, and Pastor Paul preached, do, do we love like Jesus, the diseased, the poor, the wealthy, the unbelievers, the believers? What about those who have stabbed us in the back, like, like Judas, or talked about us in a, maybe a false manner, like, and like, like Peter, or denied us like Peter? Jesus still loved them, and he forgave them, and he died on a cross for them. And we go home, and the Holy Spirit, or maybe we're sitting in the pew, and the Holy Spirit says to us, what about this person in your life? What about that person in your life? You should address that issue. You know the truth. You know what the right thing is to do. Now he's teaching us. 
But many of us are guilty. I'm guilty of it as well. We just sit back and we go, oh, I can do that later. And later never comes. And when we say, well, I'll do it later, it's like a layer of concrete going on our heart. Like one layer. You ever, if you ever like laid block or poured concrete, some of you went to Costa Rica, got some a dose of pouring concrete, but it's like a layer of concrete, one layer of concrete that goes on our heart. And, you know, we look at another situation and we go, no, that's not the way to handle it. That's not the way Dr. Phil said to handle the situation. It's not my job. And, and, and so what, what happens, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, this is the way you should go about handling this. And this is what you should do. The Bible says to do it this way. And we say, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's another layer of concrete that, that goes on our heart. And John says here, you do not need anyone to teach you, but listen to the Holy Spirit. You know the truth. And I'll even add to it, you know the truth And if you don't, you know where to find the truth in the Word of God. He says the Holy Spirit remains in you. But His anointing teaches you. It's a continual thing. Teaches, continual. And every time that we brush it off, brush off His his Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts about praying for someone or or encouraging someone maybe even at a gas station or or applying applying the truth of His Word to our heart, just another layer of concrete. And what happens is our heart Layer after layer after layer of concrete gets hard. Our heart gets hardened. And what happens is we no longer then we are like, I don't hear God's voice anymore. I don't hear his spirit speak to me anymore. He's still speaking. It's just, are you listening? Are you listening? I would challenge you that when you read God's word, begin to act upon it. Begin to walk it out and your heart will become softer. And every time you obey, Every time you listen, the easier it is to obey and the easier it is to listen as we continually walk it out. Be obedient and listen. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come this morning. And This morning, I want us to understand something, that when we give our lives to Christ, something happens. Our life should change. It's not the same person. It's not, it's not Rob the Christian. You know, We don't get a title attached to our name. It's like, Rob 2.0. And if any of you guys remember like Windows 8 when it came out, when I first booted up a Windows 8 machine, I was like, what is this? Like all the apps, like the little, I was like, maybe some of you remember that. But like, there were like all these little apps. I'm like, where's the start button? I don't know how to find it. And I didn't even know what to do. But it's a, it looks completely different. We look completely different when we, when we come to Christ. Our lives begin to change. Yes, as you dig in, there are some similarities in our heart and in our life. You know, we begin to see the similarities, but we look completely different. And this morning, as, as the team leads us, I would challenge you to look at your life. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. This morning is a perfect opportunity. Your life can be changed. And maybe this morning you're here and you're questioning about where I fall. You've talked about two types of people. You've talked about the people who were in the church and, and the, the children, as John calls them. And you've talked about these antichrists, these people who, who were maybe, if you would, counterfeit. And you've talked about the authentic. And maybe you're not sure where, you're, where, you're, where you fall at this morning. Evaluate that relationship with Christ this morning. Evaluate what that looks like. I would challenge you to to be real. Be who Christ has called us to be. To become more like him in every way. Evaluate that relationship. 
Maybe this morning you've given your life to Christ and you've started to grow, but you've grown stagnant and you've, you've stalled out. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and, and to show you the areas that you need to grow in and how to get started. The song they're going to sing here in a moment, it, it says, when you speak, talking about the Holy Spirit, and when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. It changes what we see and what we seek. And that's exactly what happens when we give our life to Christ. The things that we see, we don't see life in the same perspective because our heart and our desires have, have changed. We don't, we don't seek the same things anymore because we put away the, 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 the old and we have become a, a new creation. Father, I pray this morning that while the team leads us, that you would let your Holy Spirit penetrate our lives. Would you allow your Holy Spirit to show us the areas in our lives that we need to grow in, God? God, would you point us in the right direction to be 100% real? That we can be real. That we're not somewhere in the middle between 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 uh between a counterfeit or, or authentic, that we're not somewhere riding the line, God, but that we are on the we are on the side that you've called us to be on, to be the Christian, to be the, the become a disciple the way that you've called us to. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, draw us to you this morning. God, and as we're drawn to you, would you change the way that we see the things around us and the things that we seek in our lives? that we would seek more of you.